the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. It's great to be with you today. I'm Scott Furrow, just out of the penalty box for excessive coffee intake. It's good to be with you this afternoon, and I hope that you've got your coffee or whatever helps you get through the afternoon. Um, Whether you're on the road or you are at your office here in Southern California, we're really glad that you are joining us. We're live in Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday, bringing you uh, to the table some encouragement, some fun, and some conversation about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. And we want to go deeper into what is going on in the news, be able to ask some questions about uh, how a Christian can respond. And today we're talking about a couple of different issues. There's a lot of things that are on the in my stack of things that we need to talk about, but I'll be with you all week. We'll get to some of those things, some local stuff, um, including uh, Attorney General, not Attorney General, um, our district attorney here in Los Angeles, George Gascon, who's in some trouble uh, because of some tapes that were recently released. Uh, it's a pretty horrible case. We'll just talk about that tomorrow. I think we'll get to that. Uh, I think it's a much bigger story, so I know that some of you have said, hey, let's talk about that. But let's look at, look at that. Um, and we're going to look at some different things uh, today. Last hour, we talked about the Russian invasion. So we're spending some time today talking about foreign policy. I told you that foreign policy is going to be significant, a significant topic. Um, and in light of that, it will affect us domestically. One of the questions I, I want us to ask this hour, I want to talk about what's going on in, in Canada. Um, maybe you have been following the Canadian trucker protest that's been going on for quite a while, but that has taken a certain direction where uh, Canada's parliament voted yesterday, I believe, to uh, endorse the Emergency Act. We're going to hear from a guest in just a moment to explain this a little bit more. Uh, endorsed the Emergency Act that Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau um, put forward recently. Um, And I want to ask the question, what does it have to do with us when we look at foreign countries? And maybe it's a surprise to you, but Canada is a foreign country. Their system is not the same as us, but they are a democracy. There are things, I think, in our own system that protect us a little better than some other, other countries. But we're seeing protests particularly that are coming out of usually mandates uh, for the vaccine or mask mandates or other government edicts around the world. We've seen protests everywhere in the world. I think that's important that we, we take a look at this because there seems to be a narrative that says that the protests that are going around uh, are just kind of American and it's a bunch of uh, Trump supporters or whatever. Uh, apparently a bunch of Trump supporters were arrested in New Zealand for uh, protesting. Didn't know they cared about Trump over there. It kind of makes me laugh when it's all about uh, Trump supporters and whatever. In uh, in San Francisco last week in the recall election, uh, the school board members who were recalled in that election complained that it was uh, Trump supporters and right-wing activists that ousted them. Um, the number of Republicans who voted in that election in San Francisco, 6%. 6 that's it, because there's only six Republicans in all of San Francisco. And we can't just use that. We need to take a look at what's really happening. And something that we want to do in our program all the time, too, is really take a look at 
do our best to figure out what is true, what is accurate, be, be able to say, I don't really know what's true, be able to listen in that way. But in particular, because what we're about is making sure that we're better at making disciples, that we are ambassadors of Christ. We can't do that if we aren't truthful. Um, and as ambassadors of Christ, uh, we need to be truthful. There's also something in all of us that realizes that we live in a country, we live in a very strange time where we have uh, some significant challenges, some significant questions about our freedom, about whether or not we're going to maintain those freedoms. How and when do you push back? What's the appropriate way to do that? And it isn't just our country asking those questions. We're seeing it all around the world. Um, and in particular, it's when, when there's government mandates. So not just to health orders or things like that, but it's when those things begin to not make sense or when the orders seem like they go too far. So I have a guest with us um, who will be on the line, and you can feel free to call in and be a part of it. But I want to encourage you to uh, listen to the conversation as we talk about what's going on in Canada here and how it relates to us here in the United States. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. You can also email me anytime at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. My guest is Marina Hoffman. Marina Hoffman is the author of award-winning book, Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. And um, Dr. Marina Hoffman is the author of that book and a professor at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Marina is an advocate for freedom and inspires women to have courage through the examples of women in the Bible. Marina is also a Canadian from the Toronto area. Her dad is a trucker, and her family has been on the front lines of what's known as the Freedom Convoy in Canada. Marina, thanks for joining us today in Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. So great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, Marina, tell us about yourself. Um, what's your What's your testimony? Where are you coming from? Right. So I was born and raised in Canada, and I had a life-changing time about seven years ago when I got caught in a car wreck with my husband, mm. and we really needed to start life afresh. We needed things to change and a new breath in our life. So we decided to move down here to Florida. And I took a job at the university, Palm Beach Atlantic University. And from there, I think the American spirit and love of freedom really took a hold of me. So I ended up writing a Bible study that helped people um, find courage and strength and to stand for what they believe in. Yeah, you know, I think that... um as I've been watching what's happening in Canada, I realize even more so that as, as Americans, especially if you're maybe in Southern California, so maybe not the same if you live in upstate New York or someplace where you're near the border and you go across often, or maybe there's a lot of Canadians. Um, I was once listening to a, a baseball game in Montreal when they were still the Montreal Expos, and the announcer said, I love it up here in Montreal. It's almost like being in a foreign country. And I thought that, that's kind of a funny comment. Um, I have been amazed. I have tried to think about any time in my life when I have seen any sort of protest about anything at all happening in Canada, and I can't remember it. And right now we have um, this action by a lot of truckers that has turned into uh, something that the world is taking a look at. Um, you're still connected, obviously, with what's going on in Canada, and you're from there. Are you still a Canadian citizen? Yes. Yeah. Tell us about this. Uh, can you explain, in case people haven't really been paying attention, what is the Freedom Convoy? What's that about? And where has it turned recently? 
Right. So almost a month ago now, a hundred and so trucks left BC on the far west coast and headed for Ottawa. That's, that's British and Columbia. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. British Columbia. They headed for Ottawa, and I think beyond their imagination, they gained so much support across Canada. Not only did vehicles join their convoy and new truck convoy start, people lined up against the side of the road over the overpasses as they went through the highway, and there was such an excitement. There was true hope, yeah. and well, really, Scott, you could feel it anywhere. Every time you talk to people, they began to feel hopeful that these truckers could get freedom. So their initial goal was to get uh, lifted restrictions for crossing the border for the unvaccinated, but that grew to freedom for every Canadian. And that's so let's go back just a little bit. So this got organized because my understanding is because truckers were being told, like we're seeing in many parts of our country now, you're going to lose your job or your ability to do your job if you don't get vaccinated. Is that correct? That's right. And my understanding is that you know, 85, I've read 85 to 95 percent of these truckers are, in fact, actually vaccinated, but they're standing up for those who have decided for whatever reason that they have not to get vaccinated, that they shouldn't lose their job. Is that the basic idea of how this began? It's true because it's not just about their vaccination status. It's the need to have all these QR code passports on their phone and you know truck Mm. drivers are saying they're approaching the border and the person there already knows all their identification and health status and that is a huge overreach and it's become a surveillance state so they didn't want any of it does canada have um this kind of uh, vaccine passport is that part of the uh, society now up there it is is for everybody more and more That's right. And more and more you're seeing that people are asking for this passport to get health care and to enter restaurants and sadly even to enter some churches that have complied. We have seen uh, some, um, you know, as a pastor myself, pretty significant um, actions against churches where the churches decided to stay open during the the shutdown and uh, a couple of pastors very uh, publicly were arrested. One guy got arrested right in the middle of the service. Um, and that was pretty significant. So these truckers got together and they said um, some of them were going to lose their job or their ability to do their job. And they started a convoy and they went to Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital of Canada, um, if, uh, if you weren't aware of that. And so what happened? They get to Canada and uh, what happened there? Yeah, so they get to Ottawa and they park their cars along the streets and basically the city gets really ground to a slow level. It didn't shut down the city by any means. The city wasn't shut down until the police moved in and put barricades everywhere. They left one lane for emergency all over the city, but they just made noise. They blew blew their horns and they had massive crowds of people come out to support them. And really, Scott, it was a cry for them to be heard. They just wanted to be heard. They wanted to talk to the prime minister and give a voice to their frustrations and the way they suffered and their families have suffered over the last two years. But as you know, Scott, the prime minister has not met with them at all. Yeah, why do you think that is? Why, uh, you know, from a, I don't know that in this country when we've had a lot of protests when they've gone on, usually in Washington or other places, probably the president hasn't usually come out and talked to anybody if it's about the president. What, um, do you feel like in Canadian society that that would have been something uh, 
you know, I personally think that would have been something wise for him to do. Um, but should that be an expectation? Oh, yes. Well, we have much less population, of course. In Canada, right. we're looking at 38 million. So when you have the kind of people out there who have made all the effort to come from British Columbia, it would have been a kind gesture. It would have been a Canadian gesture to sit down and listen to their grievances. But mm-hmm. even beyond that, if he, if the prime minister was so concerned that he had to invoke the emergency acts that is saying that he has tried every single legal means to come to a resolution and every single legal means through the regular process of courts and all have failed but if he hasn't even sat at the table and talked to them he obviously hasn't made any effort to come to a resolution so even from his role as prime minister and connected to the emergency act he should have met with the organizers so when the uh, truckers got there, let's describe for people listening, um, how long were they in Ottawa? And, you know, from the government perspective, what uh, did they do? What's, what has caused uh, the, the feeling by the prime minister and now supported by uh, the parliament up there uh, to engage in the emergency act? Well, he is claiming that they've been violent. Mm-hmm. and that they've obstructed the city, so they've caused mischief by making all their noise with their horns, and they are economic terrorists, so they've shut down all the, you know, the flow over the border and into the cities. This is what they, what the Prime Minister has claimed, Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't been able to find, uh, viol- I've looked for it. I've looked for truckers, really, or anybody in these protests um, getting violent. I can't find it. Uh, video. There's got to be something if it was true, right? There would be, and I'm sure they would have played it over and over, but the fact that they have not given any evidence of any violence at all, and there has been no violence shown on social media with all the endless live feeds from everyone's phone, you know that there really hasn't been until this weekend when you saw protesters, I mean, peaceful people, just average folks, a lot of them women, a lot of them older women, and here they are being pushed and shoved and all kinds of violence against them. And we've seen these horrible clips. I'm sure your listeners have seen the horses coming in. I mean, those massive beasts trampling people over in an effort to push them back. It was horrible. But even then, Scott, I never saw anyone show any violence back to the police officers, even when they were under attack. I think it's important to uh, kind of go down this road and really talk about it, because when we have protests for various reasons, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests or the January 6th protests, it's the violence that really turns things on its ear and and people begin to lose some credibility. So we really haven't, at least as far as I can tell, we haven't seen that from uh, these truckers. Um, Maybe they're blocking some roads and some things that, uh, but I think that they got out of the way when they were told. Is that correct? Yeah, and it's important to say just a few days ago before the Emergency Act was invoked, even the police officers, the Ottawa Police Department made a statement that there hadn't been any cases of vandalism or um, violence of any sort. And in fact, overall in the entire city, the violence had dramatically dropped while the protesters were there. So it's the very opposite narrative until the Emergency Act was invoked over the weekend. All right. Can you explain the Emergency Act to us? What is that? Why was it uh, invoked? What what is I don't think we have something exactly. It's interesting in our country because we've given emergency powers uh, across the country 
but it's not as well spelled out. We have kind of our own problem with that, and particularly here in California, you know, where we've given local health officers tremendous power all of a sudden to shut down buildings or make uh, or schools or whatever. So we have our own problem. But in Canada, um, there's an actual uh, path for this kind of uh, authority for the prime minister. Uh, are you able to explain how that works? All right. Well, one difference between America and Canada, a slight difference, is there's really more power on the state level. At least I believe that's how yeah. it's supposed to be. Of mm-hmm. course, the president seems to be always trying to uh, change things. But really, when it comes down to it, the state has their own authority, which is why I enjoy freedom here in Florida and other states are suffering. But in Canada, it really comes down to the prime minister under this act. So he now can override any of the premier with this act. He can freeze accounts of anyone. I mean, who has ever heard of this before? This has been crazy. But now part of the act is that they've added on this financial element. He can arrest anyone, put them in jail without due process. So his power right now is far reaching and not just over people who've been declared terrorists, but anyone. And they've said that repeatedly. Anyone who's been found in Ottawa, part of the protest, anyone who supported them in any way, what does that mean? Does that mean if you've given them a free sandwich or free coffee? Does that make you a supporter of terrorism? In this act, it certainly seems it. And they're certainly threatening repeatedly on all levels to go after everyone who's been in Ottawa. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Our number is 888-528-2557. If you'd like to join the conversation, 888-LA-TALKS. Our guest is Dr. Marina Hoffman, and she is an advocate for freedom and uh, inspires women to have courage through examples of women in the Bible. That's what she is doing, but she's also from Canada. She has um, eyewitness testimony of some things going on there, and we're talking about What's happened in the re- in recent days where this has escalated politically with the Emergency Act um, being engaged with the prime minister? Now, my understanding is, and uh, somebody correct me if I don't have this exactly right, but my understanding is under Canadian law, the prime minister can enact the Emergency Act, but it eventually has to be approved then by the parliament, um, and that this approval happened Monday night by a vote of 185 to 151, so it was very, very close. And it's a lot more complicated than just up and down, because in the Canadian government there are different parties and uh, factions, and um, my understanding is that the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, um, that he put this in place and he said it's a vote of confidence. And by saying it's a vote of confidence, it means that if the if the parliament would have voted it down, they would have had to move to elections. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So one of the motives for uh, even some people who don't really agree with the Emergency Act is to say, well, I don't really think we should have an election right now, so I'm going to vote for it even though I'm against it. Yeah, well, that's what they're saying. There's one group that is more is definitely liberal, and they're called the NDP. Yeah. And they said, well, we don't agree with everything, but they've sided with him. And then the other two main groups are conservative groups. And so they voted against it, which is good. But, Scott, honestly, I don't feel that they've done enough to stand against it at all. They've been silent for two years. And so now some of them are beginning to speak out against Trudeau, but they certainly seem like opportunists. And hopefully they take serious action. And I did hear that our Alberta premier is going to put a motion against this emergency act and say it wasn't justly provoked. 
So we'll see if that happens. But the politicians need to stand up, not just do a single vote. So as we uh, as we get into this, uh, what are some uh, – we're going to have to take a break here in just a moment. But um, do you have some stories uh, from truckers or from people in your family, people that you know that you can share with us about what's going on there? Yeah, you know, I've known a lot of people that went up to Ottawa this past weekend, and they said Friday night it was completely calm and peaceful, and it was a really fun time. And if you see on, like, the videos, everyone is saying it's become the city of love, and really everyone says that. They said they've never been in a place surrounded by strangers, and yet everyone is wanting to hug and chit-chat and just be Canadian. We're a very friendly group of people in Canada. And yet the police start showing up on Saturday and everything changes. It becomes very intense. And of course, we've talked about all the violence that came out and the horses and people just dressed in this green outfit. We don't even know who they were. They weren't police officers. You had guns pointed. So it was a very scary time, but they were still allowed to protest. And my own loved ones experienced tear gas, And, you know, they said it was subtle, but all of a sudden they would start coughing and feeling very disoriented and their eyes were hurting. And as they stumbled to gather themselves, they would be pushed back away. So that wasn't nice and really shocking to hear this happening in Canada. And yet on Sunday morning, it was much worse. By Sunday morning, they had cleared what they call the Ottawa Red Zone, which meant there was places that they weren't allowing anyone to enter. And they said it was scary. It was scary to see all these police officers very violent, very threatening, and not even allowing simple things like letting them get a coffee or to go shopping. It was a scary place to be. I've seen some of those uh, videos. This is Southern California Live. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. Our guest is Dr. Marina Hoffman, and we're talking about the situation in Canada with the Truckers and the Emergency Act by the government. And when we come back from our break, I'll take your calls. And also, I want to talk about, we're looking at this in another country. How should we look at it here? And should we be concerned about this kind of action happening here and what our attitude should be about that? The number is 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. The Tuesday edition will be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Sorry, since you're at my home, can I just get your name and your badge number, please? I have a card here. Okay. It's Erica Ingram. Thank you. And this is just some information about peaceful protests. That's all it is. Okay. So you saw something on my Facebook? No, on the Facebook group. Okay. And decided to come to my personal residence to give me information about peaceful protest? Yes. Okay. So are the Peterborough police, no, you're with OPP. Um, Are you guys now monitoring people's Facebook pages or Facebook groups to who comments as to what their um, uh, status updates are or what they're doing or within the group? Like. Protests happening province-wide, yes, we have been monitoring the protests. Okay. okay. So there's a protest coming up. I'm simply providing you with information about a peaceful protest, and now I'm leaving. Oh, okay. That is all. So the Ontario Provincial Police are watching what people are doing on Facebook in different groups, whether or not they're commenting, participating, liking, and you guys are now doing service calls 
to give people information about peaceful protest. Yeah, it's just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protesting. I absolutely, I have Perfect. a copy of the Canadian Charter of Rights Excellent. and Freedoms, so, so I'm well within that and, and yeah. very understanding of that. Uh, so I appreciate that. I'm, okay. I'm hoping that uh, you guys aren't going to waste our tax dollars continuing to do this to everybody, but uh, now it's nice to know that uh, we're, we're being watched. So. If you have any questions, my cell phone number is on the card. Thank you. Okay. That was a video that went viral a couple of weeks ago in Canada, actually, as a result of what was going on with the Canadian truckers. And uh, what happened in this video is the the resident um, posted something in a Facebook group that had something to do with the truckers. And just we don't know what the post was. You know, it could have been crazy, but it could have been just something simple. It sounds like it was just a participation in a Facebook group. But what was happening is the police started sending people to the homes of everybody in that Facebook group, that the Facebook group was being monitored and uh, people were being uh, given visits by the police. And there is a, you know, a philosophical argument that talks about how far can you go to prevent crimes from happening um, and what is an invasion of privacy and what is government overreach, what is tyranny. It goes down a really bad trail. And uh, this is something that is being asked in a very serious way in Canada right now as the Emergency Act um, has been enacted in Canada, which gives the prime minister tremendous authority and in particular authority to deal with protesters without due process, to freeze bank accounts, to make all kinds of actions against them. It's pretty significant. We have a guest with us who is aware of all these situations. She is Canadian, Dr. Marina Hoffman, and uh, she's an advocate for freedom and inspires uh, in her women's ministry, women to have courage through examples of women in the Bible. And I'll ask you about that here in just a second, Marina. Um, but I want to get to our phone calls. Our number is 888-528-2557. And uh, um, we were talking about the Emergency Act and how maybe we should feel as Americans. Um, Marina, you now live in Florida. And w- when you look at this and what's going on in Canada, one of the big questions is... How long is the prime minister going to hold on to these emergency powers and use them? And we have similar questions here in California. Our our uh, Sacramento just voted to maintain a state of emergency in California a week before we just had the Super Bowl. Uh, it's really hard to understand why we have an emergency. What are your thoughts? Oh, exactly. It's it's just it's without end. So we don't know. It could be a week. It could be four weeks. I think it. Uh, I think. Trudeau will be happy to leave it on for months. And as you say, Scott, we have these problems in the U.S. too. Look at Biden, his emergency. Remember the two weeks to flatten the curve? And here we are two Well, that happened later, under, so uh, that happened under Donald Trump, actually. So we've been going on a long time. It's 15 days to yeah, flatten, flatten exactly. the curve. Um, yeah, and he's kept it on. And what is the emergency now? Well, these I don't think any ruler is going to easily give up power. And I think Trudeau, we might add the same about Biden, they are not going to give up that emergency act that they have and the power it gives them and the freedom it gives them against their own people until something happens. Scott, I hope that someone will stand up and have a vote of non-confidence or take some action against Trudeau because it's not lawful. There's no reason. Ottawa is not under occupation. I think that uh, that's some of the question that people ask. And and so we, we in this, we're in this odd place where people will say just like what you're saying, well, he's never going to give up that power even though he says so. We say that here in California about Governor Newsom. 
Um, I would say that. I would say, well, he's not going to give up the emergency power until after the election because he has certain powers to do mail-in ballots and some other things that probably support him as long as he has emergency powers. As soon as the election's over, then maybe he'll get rid of it. So there's there's a – and maybe I'm wrong about that, but that sure seems true to me when we can have the Super Bowl and uh, – you know, no one's uh, too worried about that. But there is an old statement that says uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And that's the danger that I think that we're looking at here. We had a call that just dropped off. I was going to take 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALK. Sometimes I take too long to get to the uh, calls, but thank you callers for holding on. But I wanted to make sure that our guest here, uh, Marina, had some opportunity. Marina, as a, as a believer... What should, in your mind, our approach be to some of these things? So in the in Canada, what should believers do in Canada who are watching this and who are worried about the Emergency Powers Act, who are worried that it's not going to end, who have seen churches, you know, we've had trouble here in churches, but eventually in the United States, the courts have, for the most part now, sided with churches on things. It wasn't that way in the beginning, but that's not happening in Canada, uh, and that's not happening in some places around the world. Um, how do we as Christians maintain our testimony but also respond as good citizens when we are concerned about tyranny, about uh, government overreach, about oppression in this way? Yeah, I think there's a few a few foundations we need as people of faith and people as believers. I think the first and most important thing is to know our values. And I think that's one beautiful outcome of this whole coronavirus shutdown two years, which is people began to question the things they had always assumed. And I think we began to say, like, what are really the most important things in our life? And I'm glad in so many situations, family and friendship rose to the surface. So we need to know what we truly believe and what we truly believe God has given us as human beings, our freedom, and what is truth as people of faith. And then I think we need to wake up, to use the liberal term, to really what's going on around us. And it's absolutely hard when it feels like the world is on fire, but we need to be aware of what's going on to hear these painful stories so that we know where we stand. And when push comes to shove, we have to be willing to stand up for our faith and go back to those values that we're not willing to compromise on. And for Canadians as a people group, we don't like to offend others. We don't like to put our friendships in jeopardy. We certainly don't want a neighbor to be at all disgruntled at anything we've said. But I think that day has passed, Scott. I think we we need to realize that something more important than offending someone or making them upset because of what we said. We need to be people that speak the truth. And it's not hard to speak the truth in love, but it's sometimes hard just plainly to speak the truth and to take that risk. But again, I can say in my own life, I've become far more bold in the last two years, and the outcome is wonderful because I have way less friends, Scott, but the friends that I have <laughs> in COVID are true friends, and they're like-minded, mm. and they are worth a thousand other people. Yeah. Uh, we all have less friends and less uh, social media followers and whatever. It's amazing. Um, you know, Canada, you've always been pretty quiet up there, except on the ice, you know, five minutes for a fighting and then you get to play again where, you know, most sports are out of the game. You get five minutes. Um, Hey, biblically speaking, you, when you teach, um, you have an example of uh, people in the Bible who did things who were able to overcome their fear, maybe even fear of government or fear of, uh, uh, oppressive rules. 
what comes to mind yeah. when the, when you think about that? Yeah, the story that motivates me the most and has literally inspired me every single day since things just went wrong two years ago is the story of the midwives. And they come at the beginning of Exodus, which your listeners will know is a story of great miracles in the Bible, right? The parting of the Red Sea. Incredible things happen, but all those miracles start off with a small-scale miracle in the world of the midwives. And this and is the midwives in the story of, of Moses, correct? Moses is a baby? That's right. So these, these women are bringing babies into the world safely, just simply doing their job. And suddenly the Pharaoh asks them to kill all the baby boys amongst the Hebrews. And so, Scott, they're found in the place that we find ourselves. Can we keep doing what we're doing and what we know is right, or do we have to change everything because of some mandate from the top down? So these midwives decide to simply keep doing their job. They keep bringing babies in the world, and by doing that, they stand up against the tyranny of the Pharaoh of Egypt and end up saving a generation. And um, their story, Scott, is encouraging and inspiring, but really the key to their story for me is a verse that says they were afraid of God, they feared God, and they were not afraid, sorry, they, they feared the Pharaoh and God, but they feared God more. And mm-hmm. I think that is a situation I find myself in. Of course, I'm afraid all the time of things. But when I take the bold step to refuse, for example, to mask my daughter, it's not because I'm fearless. It's because I've decided my values are such that I will not cover her face. And I fear God and what kind of mother I would be um, rather than any mandate or, you know, store clerk that's going to get upset at me. I think you're looking at, uh, let's see it. Let's see. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. They were even rewarded for that. They feared God more than Pharaoh. Um, and that's a great answer because there's a tension, right, that we have even in our faith where the Bible instructs us that that the governments are established by God. Romans 13, they don't bear the sword for nothing, that there is a place where we obey. However, we have stories in the Bible just like the one you referenced where these midwives did not obey the law that God had established in the same principle, and they were right to do that. And because of that, they saved Moses's life. I mean, look at the impact that that one act of those midwives had by putting Moses in the basket and sending him down the river. Um, look yeah, at the... In, go ahead. Yeah, put into events, like you're saying, all these events that happened, the deliverance of all the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt right. into establishing their own nation. And it started because two women were willing to keep bringing life and to keep doing what was right, even though it might have cost them their life. That's right. Hey, uh, Marina, can you stay with us through the break? Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. Friends, we're going to take a little break here. We have um, been talking about what's going on in Canada, and we're talking about uh, our own country. And as believers, where are we at here? How do we deal with um, when we see the government taking more and more power? At what point do we come to a place where we are um, supposed to act differently? And how do we do that in the right way? Uh, my guest is Dr. Marina Hoffman. We'll be back with you in just a moment here on the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you. My guest today is Marina Hoffman, and we have been talking about the 
protests that evolved in Canada with the Canadian truckers and the emergency act that has been put forward by the government and what we can do in this country because we're different in this country. But I think that we are looking at a time when our government is maintaining emergencies and emergency power when it seems that the emergency is over. Uh, would you agree with that, most people who are listening? I think, you know, the Super Bowl for us was a big deal, right? Uh, everybody's got a mask, but nobody had a mask on. None of the politicians. Everybody got a nice, fancy uh, N95 mask, uh, but I counted three. That was our Super Bowl uh, game that we played together. At uh, We didn't watch the commercials that much. We just decided to uh, count the masks. We counted three. Uh, seems like the emergency is over. Uh, Marina, why don't you uh, take a moment and uh, tell us a little bit about your ministry and how people can get in touch with you. Thank you. My website is womeninthebible.info, and you'll see links to getting my Bible study, which is, it goes over eight stories of women in the Bible who did incredible things, really by ordinary acts and by faithfulness, simple faithfulness, and answering God's call when it was there, simply being willing. And alongside this study is a video series that's for free, lots of free resources, and I would love for anyone to connect with me. I think it's really important that we encourage one another and then we have fellowship and community. I think that's one way that we overcome some of the challenges of the last two years by encouraging one another in faith, encouraging to stand, and realizing that we certainly don't stand alone. And they, uh, your website is womeninthebible.info. Is that correct? People can go to that website, right. womeninthebible.info. Uh, so I want to encourage you to do that here in uh, just a moment. You know, as we finish up, we were talking about the impact that uh, a couple of midwives had in the book of Exodus by disobeying the Pharaoh's edict uh, to destroy all the, uh, to kill all the baby boys. They didn't. They saved Moses' life, which saved a nation. Um, You know, what would you say, where is, how do we do that now? When do we know that it's the time to say, you know what, this is not a Romans 13 issue. This is bigger than that. This is a time when I'm going to say no. Um, what would you say? What's the point for people who are listening uh, today? You know, Scott, if we're waiting for some glorious moment where we'll feel magical and incredible opportunity will come, I think 99.9% of us will never have a moment like that. And it's not going to be music and angels. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Right. It's not going to be trumpets from heaven announcing and telling us exactly what we're supposed to do. What I see in Scripture and what I see our world needs today is one and the same which is people being willing to follow God and to be faithful and to trust God in the small, everyday things of life. And I think one of the greatest examples is our impact on the next generation. I mean, we don't raise a child to be a Christ follower, to be a good citizen, as you mentioned earlier. We don't do that in a single glorious trumpet-sounding moment. We do it over years by many little acts. And that's the story of many women in the Bible, and I hope it's the story of us, that we can be faithful in all the little things. And for me, I obviously live in a much freer state. I'm blessed for that. (laughs) But, Scott, there are constantly people trying to repress us. I mean, we're not supposed to have mask orders, and I can't tell you how many stores still want me to put a mask on my child. But I look at her, and we have decided, her and I, that we will not do that. And when we talk to people, we'll look at them in their face, and we'll talk clearly. That's the decision we've made in our family. 
so have to stand up for that. And it's easy to say it on the radio and to you. It's much harder when we walk into a store and everyone's looking at us and the older folks are jumping away as if we're the walking plague. But it's in that very moment when no one but one or two people are looking that I have to face my daughter, stand up, have courage, and rely on what I've decided already is my standards and my values and trust that God will be with me. Yeah, I think, you know, I think you're right that that sometimes people are waiting for that moment of, like you said, the trumpets or the choir to sing, and before they will act on behalf of somebody else and their, their testimony, right? I like to remind people that we're ambassadors of Christ first, that that's what we're here to do. And there's a lot of tension because sometimes Christians on the left and the right will act, but it's really a partisan thing. Um but there are times when it's not in issues like abortion and issues of the, the sexual stuff that is going on, uh, gender stuff, stuff that's being taught in schools, in particular our kids. You mentioned the mask with your kids. That's a big deal for us right now because it seems like everybody now in California, they're releasing the mask mandate uh, unless you're a kid, which is the opposite of what makes any sense at all. It's not science. It's political science is what it is. And yeah. you know, we have a, we have a preschool at our church, and we struggle with this. There's another Christian preschool that got shut down by the authorities because they weren't keeping the masks on the kids. And they clo- they not only closed down <clears throat> the preschool, they uh, said to the preschool director, you are no longer allowed to serve in any capacity uh, for the rest of your life. That was the actual wording of the letter. Like she was banned for life. Uh, for, quote, endangering the lives of the kids, um, which is way beyond reality of what's happening. Um, And there's a lot of legal stuff we'll get into at some point as that progresses on our program today. Um, Do you have a final point to make? And and then we'll thank you for joining us today as we're just about to the end of our, our show. Yeah, you know, Scott, I think we can look at something small, and I hear this all the time from other parents, and they say to me here in Florida, I don't want my child to wear a mask. I don't feel that they're at any risk. Maybe they've already had COVID and now they're immune, but they do it anyways because it's just a small thing that doesn't matter. But, Scott, I wonder how many of us have a call on our life to do something incredible for God, truly incredible to take a great risk, and yet God is just asking us to take little risks in other ways as we build up our faith. And I remember after a car accident I was in, I was terrified to simply get into the car and to buy groceries, and I never thought at the time anything like that was related to my faith or God's call on my life at all. But now I look back, and those moments where I was terrified to get into a car, but I finally did, were the moments God was preparing me for something much bigger and a much bigger platform. So I just want to encourage your listeners, whatever it is that God puts on your heart, even if it's a word of truth to your neighbor, those little moments where we have courage and we walk in faith are the moments that build for us strength in God as we learn to walk in the Holy Spirit. And when the moment comes for us to do something much bigger, Scott, we won't be afraid because we've seen God act for us in a thousand small ways. Yes. Hey, Marina, thank you very much for joining us today. Marina can be uh, Marina Hoffman. This is Dr. Marina Hoffman, our guest today, author of the award-winning book, Women in the Small Group, uh, in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. You can get that at womeninthebible.info is her website, womeninthebible.info. Marina, thank you very much for joining us today in Southern California Live. 
Thank you so much, and God bless you and everyone listening. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, this is a, uh, it's a big issue. It is a big issue in our state and things coming up. You know, she makes this point, I think that's an excellent one, about how sometimes a little act of faith, a very private act, an act where um, maybe you don't even think you're going to be known, has a tremendous impact. See, when the midwives and the story of Moses put him in the basket and refused to kill him as they were directed to, um, they had no idea what was going to come of that. And often in your life, when you decide to minister to somebody else, when you decide to follow the Lord, when it's clear to you what God wants you to do, and clear to you because you're in the scriptures, right? Clear to you because you're genuinely in prayer. Clear to you because you are putting on the whole armor of God, all of it. And you're being driven by what is true, what is scriptural, and that you sense that the Holy Spirit wants you to do something. And I'll tell you what, it has to do with people's salvation. It has to do ultimately um, with whatever God's plan is and human life and protecting life. When you do that, you have no idea how God is going to use you. You have absolutely no idea. Think about this. Somebody shared Christ with Billy Graham. Uh, That person, I think you can actually find that person's name, but somebody shared Christ with that person who is probably unknown. They had no idea how God was going to use them. And this is something I'd like to leave with you today. You have no idea how God might want to use you. You might think, well, I'm not famous and I don't have any power. I don't have any money. I don't have anything. Um, you have no idea how a simple act of faith against something that is truly unjust, how God might use you. I think of uh, Rosa Parks. You know, what did she do? Well, she refused to give up her seat on a bus in a very unjust law, and we all know her name today. She didn't do that to become famous or to make any other statements. She was probably just sick of it. And she's like, this is grotesque. This is wrong. Where is it that God is calling you? Maybe it's not such a big deal and a big social issue. Maybe it's something that is just at your workplace. Maybe it's something somewhere where you need to stand up for the rights of somebody who you know is being abused or somebody you know who is um, you know, <clears throat> suffering in one way or the other. And certainly, as we think about the government, um, we should be concerned. We should be concerned because we're a nation of laws when we're following rules and edicts that aren't laws. And there has to be room for emergency acts. There has to be room for governments to act when there's war or pestilence or those things coming. There has to be room. But there's also a time when that has to stop. And historically, that is one of the biggest problems that nations have is that the powerful get more and more powerful. And uh, it can be convenient even for purposes that seem noble and right. It's nice to not have bureaucracy. It's nice to be able to just get things done. That's why uh, our last few presidents have uh, done a lot of work through executive orders and bypassing the Congress. But if you haven't noticed, the next president just comes in and undoes what the last president did. It's because it's not law. These are big issues, my friends, things to pray about in a world that is got a lot of trouble. But we don't ultimately have trouble because we have the Lord and we have a calling here to be his representatives Uh, And I want to encourage you to do that. Hey, friends, thanks for listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I will be back with you tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great evening. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.